Come on, if you're glad today, can you let him know it? Can you let him know it with your praise? Can you let him know it with your worship? Can you let him know it with your adoration? I'm so glad that he found me. I'm so glad that we... Come on, for just a few moments longer, can you worship him in this place? Can you worship him in this place? Can you thank him in this place? Can you praise him in this place? Oh, the difference that Jesus has made. The difference that Jesus has made in our lives. Amen. Happy Friday morning, Alabama Youth Camp. How many of you had an amazing week at Alabama Youth Camp this week? How many of you know that your life's forever been changed? I'm never going to be the same. I'm not going back the same way that I was. Amen. I believe that. You can return to your seats. You can remain standing, please. I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. Thank you to this youth committee for allowing the retired youth president to preach this last Friday morning youth president's message. I honor this youth committee, your youth president, your youth secretary. We love them and this entire youth committee, to this district board, and to the great students of the Alabama district, we honor you today. And this may be the last time I have the mic, but we have been so blessed by the ministry of Brother Fish and his family. Amen. My, my, my. I don't feel this is going to be the last time you're going to be in Alabama. Amen. I believe he has a word for this state, and I'm so thankful for his ministry here. I'll turn your attention to the word of God. I forgot one most important thing. I'm so thankful my family was here with me this week. Amen. I thank my wife and my daughter for faithfully serving alongside me these last five years. It has been an honor to serve this great district. And thank you, students. I'll say this. I'm not going to get sappy. But thank you for letting me love you. And thank you for letting me be a part of your life these last five years. It's truly been an honor to serve. I'll take a short text. Romans 8 and 14 is the theme for this year in prayer. In January, God gave me this text for what would be the theme for this entire year. The Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Everybody say, sons of God. If you're going to help me preach today one more time, you can be seated in the name of the Lord. Louis Zemperini was a man who knew about challenges, adversity, and suffering, yet he never let those define him. In his youth, he was a bit of a troublemaker. Are there any troublemakers in the room today? We've got some honest folks. A free spirit who was frequently in trouble, but rather than let that path define him, he channeled his restless energy into running. He became a world-class runner, even representing the United States at the 1936 Olympics. But his real test of character came not on the racetrack, but amidst the World War II. And after his bomber crashed in the Pacific Ocean, he found himself adrift on a raft for 47 agonizing days, battling starvation, dehydration, shark attacks, 
and the unforgiving heat of the sun, but against all odds, he survived, only to be captured by the Japanese Navy and held captive under brutal conditions until the end of the war. And throughout this unimaginable ordeal, Lewis never lost his determination, his resilience, or his faith. He held on even when all seemed lost. He refused to be defined by his circumstances, but instead defined himself through his perseverance and courage. Lewis was an Olympian, a warrior, and he was a survivor. But over everything else, above all, he was an overcomer. Yet these labels do not fully capture who he was. Amidst the chaos of his life, the turbulence of war, and the despair of captivity, Lewis clung to something that went beyond these outward identifiers. He clung to this inherent sense of self, his unyielding belief in who he was, and his dedication to his own integrity. And though he found himself in the most desperate of circumstances, Lewis never lost sight of his own values, his mission, and he never lost sight of his identity. He was not merely a passive victim of his circumstances, but an active participant in shaping his own destiny. He chose to focus not on the shackles that bound his wrist, but on the strength that resided on the inside of him. This was Lewis's secret weapon in the face of immense adversity. His unshakable resolve to remain true to who he was, to maintain his identity amidst a world that tried to identify and define him otherwise. This morning on this last day of Alabama Youth Camp, I've come to speak to you on this thought conquering sons. Today, on this last day of Alabama Youth Camp, I look at a gym full of young people and young adults and adults alike. You're not just merely sons, but you're conquering sons. And you're not just conquering sons, you're more than conquering sons. We have been given a mission. We have been given a purpose. We have been given a trajectory. And we we are going to conquer it because we today are conquering, sons. The, je- the devil is jealous of your destiny. And he desires to have you. And he desires to keep you from the destiny to which God made you. He wants your identity today. Genesis 3 and 5, we see the serpent suggesting, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This can be seen as the first instance of humanity's identity crisis, wanting to be more than what God intended, leading to their fall and expulsion from Eden. Gideon doubts his identity as a mighty warrior chosen by God to deliver Israel from the Midianites. Moses doubted his ability to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. You see, the enemy of your soul desires to strip you of your identity because he knows the power and the authority in which you operate as a child of God, as a son of God. I've come to let you know that resurrection power lives on the inside of you. Healing power operates on the inside of you. I'm not being cliche today, but you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. You're going to lay your hands on the blind and their eyes are going to be open. You're going to see deaf ears unlocked. You're going to see cat 
cancer's healed. You're going to see the most vilest of sinners turn and give their lives to God because resurrection power lives on the inside of you and the enemy knows it and he wants to strip you of that identity but you today must declare no, I am a conquering son. Would you just praise him right now for the fact and the knowledge and the realization I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a conquering son. Throughout the gospel, Jesus' identity is questioned by religious leaders. In Matthew 26, the high priest asked Jesus, even Jesus himself, his identity was in question by those around him. Asked Jesus directly, are you even the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? Which ultimately led to his condemnation. And in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, if you read the story in Luke 4, 1 through 13, Satan tries to create doubt about Jesus' identity because he begins the first two temptations If you are the Son of God. However, Jesus never wavers and he reaffirms his identity by resisting the temptation by giving him the Word of God. Can I tell you today, the enemy fears what you're about to do for the kingdom. He fears what you're about to do when you leave this camp. He's going to attempt to stop and thwart the plan that God has because he's going to try to confuse who you are. Whenever you give, he's going to try to put things back on you that you've shook off in this camp. Can I tell you, you've got to shake the serpent and you've got to leave that serpent in the fire. You've shaken some things off. You've laid some cloaks and some things that you were identified by when you entered this camp. You better not pick them back up because there's greatness in you. There's a plan from God for you. That all of hell is afraid of. They're shaking right now. They're trembling right now. Because they know high schools are about to be turned upside down. They know college campuses are about to be turned upside down. They know churches are about to be turned upside down. They know youth groups are about to be turned upside down. They know your home's about to be turned upside down. And all of hell is trembling. Knowing that you are about to be loose from this place. No, I am a conquering son and I know who I am. If you know who you are today, can you just thank the Lord for it right now with a shout, with a with a praise. I must say this. We've got to stay committed. This cannot just be another emotional high. I've been doing this camps for 15, almost 17 years maybe. I've seen too many come and go. The fish, I've seen too many come to an altar like this and pray and flood this altar with tears, and you don't see them 10 years later. And they made promises that I promise you still haunt them to this day. Tormenting dreams which were supposed to be great promises, have now become nightmares because they walked away, because they only rode in and rode out on an emotional high instead of leaving and instead of going... Instead of leaving and running back straight to an altar and carving out a place in your bedroom to find a personal place to where you can have a little time with God. And in that secret place, he would have kept them. I've come to tell you today, we cannot allow the enemy to strip us from what God has delivered to us this week.
We like the emotional highs. You know how I know that, Brother Colvin? Because we've got young people that all they do is they talk about going to the next conference. What's the next emotional high that I can chase? What's the next? And I'm not against conferences. But I hear so much the more about the emotional chase and the emotional high of going to this event and that event. When's the last time you heard a big stir? We had a great prayer meeting and it went on for weeks in our youth group. When's the last time that you heard a young man come up to you and say, I've been fasting, and whenever I got out of the fast, I went and I prayed for this saint, and they were healed. We've got two. I'm not preaching. I want you at youth camp. I want you at youth convention. I want you at all these things. But all the more, God's saying, I don't want to just connect with you in this altar. But I want to see you at your own personal altar. We must have it. We must be home, go home. And we've got to be, and I'm not trying to be cliche today. I'm not just trying to preach something simple and just put a simple solution in place. But we've got to go home and we've got to be committed to deep prayer. We've got to be committed to deep connections with God. We've got to be, we've got to be committed and find accountability partners that will say, have you fasted this week? Have you been praying today? How's your prayer life? Pastor, keep me accountable. Mama, keep me accountable. You, Pastor, keep me accountable because I want to press in to the greater things, to the higher things of the kingdom of God. This camp has been different. This camp has been different and hell is trembling because last night you received the tools that you need to be able to go out from this place and to turn the world upside down to fulfill the great commission that is on every single one of us. Can I tell you, hell is trembling because you're equipped, you're empowered, you're walking away from this place, a conquering son, a conquering son, a conquering We're going to have great revival in Alabama. Youth groups are going to... They're not going to be able to contain them. You're going to have to open up high school gymnasiums for your P7 clubs, for your CMI chapters, because they're going to be flooding in to see what is going on with the apostolics in Alabama. Let's rejoice. Come on, if you believe that, can you just go ahead and rejoice? Come on, I see it. I see it. I see gymnasiums in Sierra Land, Alabama, filled with students hungry for God. I see students in Gaston, Alabama, in Dothan, Alabama, in Athens, Alabama. Come on, can you begin to see it? Because you're more than a conquering son. Apostolic power and authority is going to work through you. They're hungry for it. You be seated. Who are you? Let me tell you today, you are a son of God. For all who have repented and been baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ and have put on that saving name and have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues, you today are a child of the King.
You are the sons and daughters of God. You are his special possession. You are his royal priesthood. You are his holy nation. You are a people for his own possession. You have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You have been called and separated from the world. And let me tell you why. Because there's an automatics roaming the halls of your high school that needs you to be a holy people. That needs you to be a royal. There's an automatics that never had this opportunity in high school that's desperately seeking after your holiness. There's desperately seeking after your purity. He's desperately seeking after what you have to offer. He's seeking, he's seeking, he's seeking. You be seated. You've been adopted by the king. You've been adopted by the king. The very next verse of our text, Paul begins to speak of the adoption process. And he's referencing this Roman adoption process. And that child was, I love this, freely chosen by the parents. He was desired by his parents. You're not here by accident. God chose you. He desired you. He has a plan for you. You are more than enough. If he's called you to this season, if he's called you to this time, he's equipped you and he's put in you everything you need to fulfill that to which he has called you to. He desires you. I must hurry. I've got only 20 more pages of notes, and I'm on page two, so sit down. I'm playing. It's not that bad. The adoption process makes you a permanent part of the family. You see, then parents could not disown a child they adopted. Can I tell you today, the adoption papers are already completed. God's not second guessing his decision. He's not going to back out of his agreement. Can I tell you, nothing shall separate you from the love that God has for you. Now you can walk away anytime you want to because you're a free moral agent. But God's never going to back out. He's never going to give up. He's never... He's not backing down. He's not backing up. He's side covenant with you. An adopted child receives a new identity. I'm completely new. My DNA has been restructured and rewritten. I don't have the tendencies I used to have. I don't have the same name I used to have. People wouldn't even recognize me for who I used to be whenever I was under sin and condemnation of this world. I've been given a new name. I've been given a new identity because I've been adopted into the family of God. I love this part. Any prior commitments prior to adoption, any debts were erased. All the debts that I owed, he paid the price for them all. I've got to hurry. The adopted son assumed all the rights and responsibility of the new family. I'll get to that in a minute. The adopted son would legally become their heir. He would have all the legal rights and authority of a natural-born son, especially with regard to inheritance. But it was not an inheritance to which he waited for death. But as soon as he becomes adopted, he immediately becomes a recipient of the inheritance of the father. 
The adopted son receives the full inheritance that the natural son would receive. That's why the term, although applied to all who become God's children are included, is gender specific. Because Paul says we are the sons of God rather than children of God because he intends to convey the full impact of becoming a legal heir. You have right, the full right, the full inheritance to all that God has planned for you. Can I tell you why that matters? If you got the Holy Ghost at this camp, you have the same right to what that that's been born in the kingdom for 70 years. You are the first. You have the right to it right now. You have the right to apostolic power. You have the right to signs, wonders, and miracles. Ladies and men, boys and girls, I've come to tell you today. You can preach with authority. You can walk in authority. You can walk in the gifts and the power and the operation of the Spirit of God today. You can be seated. As a son, I must be led. And maybe I'm wrong. But if you're not being led, I do not feel you can be a son of God. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Holy Ghost leads us to actively pursue righteousness and holiness by the inward empowerment of our will. The human will is empowered by the indwelling of the Spirit of God to control our flesh. And that which was formerly beyond our control before the adoption, now our flesh becomes subject to the Spirit of God within us. He will not force you, but He will lead you. The leading of the Spirit is an inward prodding of the conscious. It is an influence upon the heart and empowerment of the will to do what we already know that is right based on the word of God. The Holy Ghost gives us the necessary strength to walk in the way that God has ordered for our lives. Being led by the Spirit is what produces the fruit of the Spirit in us. It is what produces genuine holiness and righteousness in our lives. It is what happens when the whole direction of our lives and all that it produces is produ it's determined by the indwelling of the Spirit of God. You show me someone that has the fruit of the Spirit, I'll show you someone that's being led by the Spirit of God. You show me someone that does not have a problem with inward and outward holiness. I'll show you someone that does not have a problem being led by the Spirit of God. It will lead you. You see, you've been adopted into a new family. You've got a new identity. You put on a new name. You put on a new family crest. I can't go to places I used to go to. I can't talk. You see, God's changed the way I speak. God's changed the way I think. God's changed the way I interact with people. God's changed the way that I conduct myself. God's changed everything on the inside and outside of me. That only happened because I allowed him to lead me. I'll leave that alone. But can I tell you, God is going to lead you to a place where he's going to ask you to give up things that may or may not go beyond the standard that your pastor set for you. Because he sees that that is a struggle or something that he needs to take out of your life. And for you to fulfill and be what you need to be in the kingdom, he's going to ask you to take some things out of your life. But the only way you're going to do that... 
The only way that you're going to do that is if you're being led by the Spirit of God because He's going to talk to you and say, Son, I see some potential in you. I see some great things, but I can't take you to the place, into the realm to where you're going to see angels unless you give this up. I can't allow the gifting of healing to begin to work through you till you lay aside your social media accounts. I can't allow the gift of prophecy to work through you until you turn your Netflix off. And the list could go on and on and on and on. Only you know today what God has been doing with you and leading you on. He's spoken to you in this camp. He's given you the vision of revival. But on the backside of that vision of revival, he said it's going to require you to leave some things at the door, right? Because you can't walk through that door with that baggage as we heard this week. I've got to hurry, my goodness. It's the sinews in the location where Jacob was halt, where he was broken when he wrestled with the angel, are some of the strongest sinews in the body. Jacob was broken at his strongest so that he would trust in God's ways and not his own so that he would begin to walk in the path that God wanted. You're no longer supplanter. You're no longer deceiver. You're not going to walk in your own way. But after this encounter with me and I break you at your greatest point of strength from your point of weakness I'm going to show you Jacob how strong and mighty I am when I begin to lead in your life. You must become comfortable with the idea that I do not possess within myself anything in myself, the ability to walk according to God's plan and His will. I must be completely reliant on the power that comes from His Spirit leading me and guiding me and directing me every single day. Are y'all with me today? He desires to lead you. For my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Psalms 23, 1 through 3. I won't read the whole thing right now, but the Lord is my shepherd. How many of you love this? I shall not want He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's all about leading. That's all God has ever wanted is for us to follow him. He's not going to be forceful on us, but he wants us to follow him willingly. That word there for his namesake literally means for the purpose of putting his glory or his reputation on display. So when the Bible says he leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his namesake, it literally means he's leading us so that his kingdom would be on display. He's leading us so that his glory, so that his reputation can be put on display. When I lead you through that valley, they're going to see that that was not of your strength. But our reputation is going to proceed. And I'm going to show myself mighty. When you were in your greatest weakness, I'm going to come through showing that I was there for you. That I never left you. That I'll never forsake you. That my reputation would be glorified. It is so that we will understand and that the world will understand why I can walk in confidence in unsure times. Why I can walk with confidence in treacherous times. Because I'm not walking under my own power, but I'm being led by the Almighty. The word leadeth has the implication 
That word lead has the implication of great intimacy, though, because when you begin to study it out, it means that where his eyes look, that is where I will go. He's not even going to have to speak. I'm not even going to have to necessarily see where he's walking. But Brother Fish, I'm going to be so intimate with him. I'm going to be so tuned in and locked in on God that wherever his eyes direct me, that is where I'm going to go. And his glory is going to go. And his mercy is going to go. And his goodness is going to go. And that's what it's all about in being led by God. It's that I have such a deep, divine relationship with him that everywhere he even looks, I will follow. All of Psalm 23 demonstrates the benefit of being led by God through covenant and relationship. He causes you to become more than conquering sons. I mean, he prepares the victory meal while the enemy is still standing there. While your enemy is still standing there and gloating. That's like getting dessert before dinner. God's already promised you victory. So let's go ahead and celebrate in front of the enemy. I'm going to go ahead and prepare a meal. You go ahead and sit down. Enjoy all that I've prepared for you. In spite of the enemy standing there, I've prepared a table for you. Because I'm going to get glory in the middle of all of your greatest calamity. I'm preparing a great victory for you. Even so the much you're going to show them that you're more than a conquering son because you're going to gloat in front of them I already know I'm a victor being a son requires a relationship with the father because God is constantly hear me seeking and desiring to connect with you Exodus 3, 14 through 15, his God is getting ready to lead the children of Israel out. God says unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent you unto me. But this is the verse that I love the most. And God said, moreover, unto Moses. God said, there's something greater behind this. Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. God was saying to Moses, this is what I want you to say to the children of more than I am that I am. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm a God of relationship. I'm not just a God that's going to answer your greatest needs. I'm not just a God that's going to be there in your greatest dilemma. But I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. Moreover, Moses, I'm a God that's more interested in our divine relationship than I am the things that I do for you. God was letting him know I'm bringing you out of your greatest trial I'm bringing you out of your greatest bondage I'm I'm bringing you out of 430 years of bondage Not to show you great exploits Because I want to be the same thing I was to Abraham To you I want to be a God of great relationship He desires to be a good father. 
He's the everlasting Father. Let me ask you something. Let's just get practical for a minute. If I was to buy, if I was to be Oprah Winfrey here today and say, everybody look under your seat, you're getting a car, and you're getting a car, and you're getting a car. I heard that on the radio, but anyhow. And I was just to say I love you, but never talk to you again. Sure, you'd appreciate the car. Maybe if I bought you a house, but I never talked to you again, you'd appreciate the house. But Brother Seth, you may have told me that you loved me when you bought that house for me and bought me that. But if you never, I wouldn't think we were very good friends. I'd sit there and he never really wanted a relationship with me. He just wanted to show me what he could do for me. God did not bring the children of Israel Israel out just so he could show them his might and his strength. God brought them out so that he could have a deep divine relationship with them. So that they would not have moments of emotional highs. But though that they could walk every single day with a God that loves them and adores them. God's desiring to walk with you out of this camp as his sons and his daughters so that you can go forth and bring to pass that which God has poured into you this week. Here's what I fear. Be seated. I've not been that long, I promise. My my clock says 35 minutes. Is this okay? Brother Meeks, am I okay? Okay. If he says I'm okay, I'm all right. Here's what I fear. You've compared God against too many natural relationships that's damaged you. And you have a distorted view of your relationship with the everlasting Father. Well, if society can treat me like If my mom and dad couldn't love me. If my mama could abandon me, how could a God, how could God love me? Maybe I'm just going to tell my own story. If my mama could leave me, why why would anybody want me? Why would God want to have anything to do with me? If, If this person could abandon me, well, God must be willing to abandon me because those that I thought were closest to me have abandoned me. Why would I think any differently about God? Can I tell you that whenever I discovered my relationship with God, God is nothing like my relationships with that of the world, even those that have been closest to me and have hurt me the most. Can I tell you with most assurity today, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is a friend closer than any brother. Can I tell you today, he is a good, good father that will not leave you. He'll be with you even always, even until the end. Can I tell you today with most assurity and confidence he will not leave you he'll never leave you he'll never forsake you he'll never abandon you in fact God is standing beside you he's behind you and he's ahead of you and he's cheering you on every step of the way 
Can I also tell you this? That God is not some disciplinary that's standing by watching and waiting for you to fail with his belt out ready to stripe you and to discipline you. God is not standing by. Oh, he's about to. No. God's standing there. Come on. You can make it. Come on. You can get back up. Come on. I believe in you. Come on. There's goodness in you. Come on. My spirit's in you. You can can make it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. God is your biggest fan. He's cheering for you. When you fall, he's not standing there laughing at you, going on about you. But he's saying, wait till they rise up. Wait until they get back up again. You thought they were trouble before, but they've got back up at this youth camp with greater grit in their crawl. They've got a greater determination. They've got a greater tenacity about them. They're not going back. They're not going back. They're not going back. He desires a relationship with you because he cares about you. He cares deeply about you. Don't let your relationships with this people of this world skew and distort your view of God. I know it's getting late, but I just feel to say this. Some of you have got some real hurt in this place. Some of you have had great family situations, but there's some of you under the sound of my voice, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been hurt by people. You've been wounded. But I've come to tell you today, God will never hurt you. God will never harm you. God... God is for you. If God be for you, nothing will be against you. Can I tell you today, he's cheering for you. God is in your corner. God is cheering you on. He is for you. We see that so much so in the way Jesus even instructs us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I imagine Jesus was really telling everyone around him, really, you can talk to Jesus or to God like this when you pray. Daddy, you're a really good dad. You're a great father. Daddy, I'm hurting today. God was never looking for some formality or some ritual. But he was saying, come to me as you would your father. Because he cares greatly and deeply for you. And he wants to interact intimately with you. So when you pray... Do not look at it as a formality. Do not get in the checkbox mentality. But I'm going to go pray until I hear the word of God speak to me. Open your Bibles when you pray. And allow the word of God to interact with you while you pray. Allow it to be a place of God connection. Where he connects with you as the father and his child. I'm getting close. Everybody say that's dangerous talk. Zephaniah 3 and 17 says this. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Everybody say God is mighty. No, y'all didn't believe that. Everybody say God is mighty. I want to hear the counselors in the back say, God is mighty. Amen. In the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. 
Can I tell you today, the scripture is talking about God and how he delights in his children that follow him and are led by him. The word joy literally has a meaning of dancing, rejoicing. When you are led by the Spirit of God and you're walking according to the statutes and the plan of God, did you know that God will begin to dance over you? God will begin to become overjoyed by you. Are there any parents in the room, whenever you saw that child walk for the first time, you begin to dance. When they begin to go potty for the first time, excuse me, everybody started. That's my child. Let me tell you about what my baby did today. Let me tell you what my son did today. Can I tell you God shouting all over heaven? Look at the P7 they started today. Look at the soul they won today. Look at Look at their prayer life today. Look at their consecration today. Look at their devotion today. And God's looking at your consecration. He's looking at your prayers. He's looking at your consecration. And he's dancing over you. He's looking at your place seven club. He's looking at your CMI chapter. He's looking at the work you're doing. And he's dancing. And he's rejoicing over you. I wonder how many of you can just praise the Lord and knowing that the fact that God is for you, that he rejoices. I wonder how many angels he's run around and bragged about on you this week. Look at how they've changed. Look at the commitments they made this week. Look at how they've changed. Look at the baggage. Look at the bondage. Look at the change. Look at the change. I feel that. There's chains that are on this floor. They're not going to be picked back up. There's baggage that's left on this floor. Ah, they're not going to be picked back up. They're not going to be picked back up. We're walking in a new dimension. We're walking in new territory. We're walking in new authority. And God's standing in heaven. And he's rejoicing over you as his son. Because you've been led by God. Can you rejoice in the Lord right now? Come on, from the front to the back, just for a moment. Can you begin to thank him? Can you begin to get that picture of God dancing and rejoicing over the decisions that you've made and the new anointing that you're going to walk in and the new authority you're going to walk in and the new commitments you're going to be led in? Luke 10, 17 through 21. Jesus had sent the 70 out. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. That's going to be you. You're going to lay hands on the sick, and they're going to recover. Devils are going to be cast out. Amen. You're going to walk with authority. I'm not just saying You're going to do it. You're going to do it. And Jesus replies with this, and I said to them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, When it starts happening, don't get high-minded of yourself. Jesus says, don't start rejoicing that they're subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. It's easy to start rejoicing and dancing when a tumor falls off. 
but you should so much the more rejoice that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life that I allowed the Spirit of God to lead me, to guide me, to dictate my steps, to be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But hear me. But in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. That word rejoice has the same meaning as that in Zephaniah. Jesus looked at the 70 and he began to dance. Look at my disciples. They have went and made other disciples. Because you are the sons that are being led on mountains or even through valleys or trials through persecutions or sufferings. God looked at them and said, I'm going to dance. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to shout because they were led by my spirit. I'm getting ready to close. I'm getting ready to wrap it up. But how many of you want God to be dancing over the testimonies of your life? How many of you want to walk away from this camp committed to the things of God and being led by the Spirit of God? And know that God is dancing and he is rejoicing and he's shouting with the angels over what you're doing for his kingdom. This has been a week that God has taken us to a deep place. This has been a week that God has taken us to a place of deep commitment and deep calling and greater heights and greater dimensions than we've ever seen or known before. But can I say this today? Knowledge without commitment is wasteful. <laughs> Knowledge without commitment is wasteful. So you know who you are. You know the callings that God has put on you. You know that the outcome is many lives are going to be changed. And worlds are going to be turned upside down. And all the while, heaven is going to be rejoicing. And they're going to be dancing. We've been given a word this week and we cannot allow it to return void once we leave these doors. Can I tell this youth camp on this last day and this last service, he desires to have a daily relationship with you, not a sporadic mountain or valley, day or weeks without speaking with him. He's desiring to lead you. He's desiring to be a good father as you are his children. God is constantly seeking and desiring to connect with you. When Joshua asked the question that day, choose you this day, he emphatically followed it by declaring, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to follow him. But you know what? He did not get up the next day and make that same declaration. Because on that day, he said, I'm making a proclamation. I'm making a declaration for the rest of my life, for the rest of my days. I am going to serve the Lord. I am going to follow the Lord. I am going to be led by the Lord. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and question if I'm going to church. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and question if I'm going to have private devotion and prayer and Bible reading. I'm not going to question those things. Today is the day I declare I will serve and follow the Lord.
the Bible at the end, and I'm almost done. I'm done. I'm done. They're about to sink, and I want us to pray. But the Bible ends. Who shall separate us from the love of God? The end of our chapter. So tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as is written, for the sake we are killed all the day long, we're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. If he loved us so great, then he deserves our daily commitment because if we're being led by him, we're going to be more than conquerors. We're going to be conquering sons. Whatever he's called you to this week, whatever he's called you to this week, you are a conquering son. As long as you walk out of these doors being daily committed. So all across this house as she begins to play and sing. I wonder if we can lift up our hands in a prayer of commitment. God search me right now. I want you to begin to pray that God search me. If there's anything left in me God that would keep me from serving you daily. Take it away right now. I'm leaving every chain. I'm leaving every distraction. I'm leaving every distraction. I'm leaving every confusing thought. I'm leaving everything on this altar in this moment because the mission out there is so great. And it needs me to be led by His Spirit. Will you pray that right now? Will you pray that right now? Come on. Will you pray a prayer of commitment? He's made you free. But he's called us to greater things. Come on, you're his child. And he's a good, good father. And he's ready to walk with you in the greatest relationship he's ever had with you. He's ready for you to be a conquering son. But it's going to require daily.